Hello there, Star Wars fans. This is Stories by Dark Saber Light, and I'm Jessica. And I'm Erica Jade. And we have more Star Wars to talk about tonight, more new Star Wars. Um, if you, like the rest of Star Wars fans, have been geeking out over new episodes of The Mandalorian, you've recently watched uh, episode two of season two, uh, chapter 10 the passenger and we've got a lot to talk about tonight i think a lot of unexpected things to talk about and maybe not what uh, i don't know maybe not what people were hoping to talk about but uh definitely some interesting so um we're just gonna get right um arca i guess overall thoughts on this episode before we start uh kind of a chronological think think through um i enjoyed it it was definitely not what i expected but i thought it was still pretty entertaining and i had fun with it how about you i i think i'm right there with you i think that um you know it really (laughs) you know i think that people really thought that uh after last week that we'd be off on this really grand, exciting, uh, story-changing adventure every single week. And this was really just kind of a little contained adventure. And But it was really fun. I thought it was very well made. Um, good story, uh, high stakes, lots of character, uh, maybe not development, but at least exploration. <laughs> so yeah, I thought that it was a very enjoyable uh, chapter two of this <laughs> season. So let's just, uh, let's get started kind of going chronologically through this episode. So we open and we are still on Tatooine. I, I wasn't really sure if I thought that we would open that way. I kind of thought that we'd leave Tatooine behind, but uh, we really picked off right, we picked up right where we ended last week. And um, uh, Din and Baby are making their way back to where the razor crest is and they get uh jumped by bandits or i guess um maybe not bandits but um uh bounty hunters at least they they were searching for the child which um i actually kind of thought was um interesting i assumed that they were from tatooine but um either they're from tatooine and news has spread of Din and his baby, or they are from off planet and you know mm-hmm. track them there. Um, any thoughts on what was going um, on? I didn't really think about where they were from, but I I just assumed that one way or another they had they had learned about him and how valuable Baby Yoda was. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting the uh, the jetpack. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, I this is the, I don't know, this is the second time that they've opened this, epi- opened an episode where there's kind of this, like, standoff between mm-hmm. Din and and some minor figure, <laughs> and I think, you know, like, a minor figure who thinks that they're going to get the drop on him, and then he tricks him in some way. So, um, I was I was really concerned that he was going to lose the jetpack yeah. that he was so excited to get, but 
yeah i think i think most people probably would have been pretty disappointed if he he lost the the jetpack so (laughs) (laughs) um so he he gets yep he he gets um back safely the you know takes care of the the bounty hunters um they go back um, where where are they? Do you do you know? Are they in? Mos I Eisley? believe I so because I believe that's the cantina from A New Hope. That's right. That's right. Because Mark Hamill's um, voicing the droid K ninety nine, who was uh, yeah the uh, the droid in he didn't he didn't mm-hmm. speak in this episode, but um, the the droid who's the bartender oh. is the droid from Jabba's mm-hmm. he, is, he's the droid from Jabba's palace. Um, who tells R2 you're a feisty one but now he's been reprogrammed with Mark Hamill's <laughs> voice um, but then they go back and they we see Pelly again who I think that um, um, uh, Amy Sedaris she's just she's just limited yes. character I just think that she, she's she's very big she, this this is a character who she'd be very flat if she didn't play her so fearlessly mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and it's fun now. We're getting some hints of her personality. I love the fact that we kind of find out that she's a gambler <laughs> and really good at Sabak. And I guess a gambler as well in terms of she mentions I'm a good judge of character. <laughs> so she, she vouches for the frog lady uh, who she's only <laughs> um, which on that note I thought that frog lady i thought that this was one of the cutest (laughs) most sympathetic impactful characters i've seen in star wars in a long time (laughs) i thought that her story like it it could have had the potential to play very very flat um but i think that um the stakes were high with with her and her her eggs and needing to get to her husband and and to their new planet and i thought that that uh, we don't see a ton of the really alien characters in star mm-hmm. wars who really get a good story yeah so i thought that it was really refreshing to uh, to see that yeah i agree i i thought that was it was a it was a good story to have and I I like that there was a little bit of a, a parallel there with her and her eggs and Din protecting baby Yoda I thought that was that was a nice little setup definitely definitely I mean we, we get that that protective quality from both of them and we saw that so much from Din mm-hmm. this episode with uh, baby Yoda getting held hostage <laughs> and um, then when he, he's searching it for him in the ship and he doesn't really know where he is. So you can definitely see those very strong dad mm-hmm. qualities coming yeah. out now. And uh, yeah, I don't know. What did, what else did you think? Um, did you like the the premise? Um, this, uh, this, you know, ferrying frog lady to... Uh, to her husband i mean din's obviously on his quest but that's not really what this episode turned out to be 
yeah i think i was was fine with it like i think like with a like with a lot of people you know i might have wanted a little bit more from it but for what it was i was i was fine i think that i i think that the the parallel between you know her and her eggs and din and baby yoda was 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 good enough for what the episode was and i liked that it it gave uh us an opportunity to see more of the parental side of din than i think that we've seen before i mean we've seen little glimpses of it but i think that this episode was really the the most that we've seen him kind of in a typical dad role his interactions with baby yoda were very much i believe very accurate to how you know a parent would interact with a a toddler um and I, I thought that that was, I thought that was interesting to see. I think it was also necessary to see because while, you know, you do want to get to those bigger story beats, I think it's, you know, important to show that because at its core, it is a show about this kind of unconventional dad and his unconventional son. And so I, I you know, I liked it. I completely agree. I think that this was very necessary. And, and you know, we're going to talk later about the the idea of this being a filler episode, which is what I think a lot of people are claiming that it is. But you're absolutely right that this is really, you know, the first time that we've gotten quite a few moments of this father-son relationship mm-hmm. between Din and the baby. And I think that that's very intentional as well. You know, I think that even the writers, you know, they might have won- wanted something bigger, but ultimately they knew that we need to take some time for this relationship Mm -hmm. otherwise if we just keep you know having episodes that are constantly you know bringing in new and exciting characters or new new and exciting story developments um the those quiet moments are the ones that get cut for time Mm -hmm. and so i think that this was probably very purposefully a look at how they're living this lifestyle and really just emphasizing the fact that baby is you know he's just he's literally a baby. <laughs> he's somebody who needs to be told no and he needs to be told no over and over again and yet you see that in spite of that frustration or in spite of the the troubles that he makes for um for his adopted father that there's just such a love between mm-hmm. them and I, I just thought that that was so nice to see yeah I think that it it definitely kind of showed how strong that that bond is between the two of them and you know I think it's important to have those smaller moments because I, I do believe it'll make the bigger moments later on more impactful if we have more of a connection with this this relationship between the characters because if you don't take the time to kind of flush it out a little bit then when you have them thrown into these bigger moments it's harder to care and it doesn't feel like the stakes are are as high as they they could be absolutely i completely agree this was you know i i think that a lot of people get disappointed when you know they've waited all week and this is the episode that they saw last week's was just so spectacular but i also think that if we knew that this was maybe going to be 
the only episode that would qualify as a filler or you know something like that or mm-hmm. if we just knew where it was going we would be more accepting of it because or, or kind of like when when netflix releases an entire season of something we're much more mm-hmm. forgiving of the kind of the down spaces in storytelling when we know that it's just one part of the whole Mm-hmm. And it and it's really difficult to not be disappointed when you've waited a whole week for a 40-minute episode that turns out to not be as exciting as you were hoping it would be. But I, I wish that people would be able to um, enjoy it for what it, what it was, enjoy it for what we're given, as opposed to uh, always wanting something different. I think that this is definitely going to be, um, you know, it's, it's just part of the story. and it, it serves a slightly different purpose from the uh, the quest that Din is on this season. Yeah, I agree. So let's see, where, where are we? Um, they're able to get back to Moss Eisley. They meet with Pelly. They uh, acquire their contact um, who needs to get to her new planet and to her husband. And then they set off on the Razor Crest. And the first thing that we get are a couple of X-Wings. Was mm-hmm. this what you were expecting when we saw X-Wings in the trailer? Absolutely not. I was not expecting to see the X-Wings this early. I thought they were going to have a you know, different, probably bigger role, but um, it was interesting to see them in the, in the context that we did. I, I thought that was interesting that they, they kind of touch on the idea that you know the new republic is a thing and it's it's a big thing but din and baby yoda's story isn't really a part of it like it's just it's kind of touching on it a teensy bit and then the stories kind of diverge so i thought that was not it was not what i expected but it was it's still still pretty interesting i really like that um <laughs> I, I i love those moments when we get just kind of a glimpse into the everyday culture of the Star Wars universe, whether it's the Republic or the Rebellion or now, you know, the New Republic, and seeing that this is what they're doing now. They're they are policing the universe. You know, the 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 New Republic has expanded out and they really are uh that the New Republic really has expanded everywhere. And I'm willing to bet that these are X-wing pilots who were a part of the rebellion and it mm-hmm. is kind of funny to think that after all of the excitement and adrenaline of a war they end up as basically <laughs> i don't know uh, <laughs> you know police officers even kind of like meter maids you know yeah. kind of oh you know, <laughs> galactic yeah. meter maids galactic meter maids i like that <laughs> and you know the fact that they're checking up on Din and his tabs and, and you know, it's like, oh, you've got a headlight out. Make sure you get that fixed. And uh, I think that, that, that it's really funny that um, there's kind of a comment on that. You know, they, they, they won, but it's definitely a very different lifestyle than I'm sure mm-hmm. a, a lot of people who really enjoyed the adrenaline of the war uh, are used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's a really good point. So let's see. Um, we find out that one of those uh, X-wing pilots is our lovely Trapper Wolf, 
aka Dave <laughs> Filoni, who, hmm. uh, who, who was very uncomfortable the first time that he did the cameo in, uh, mm-hmm. in chapter six of season one. I was shocked to see him, but it does make sense in that, uh, you know, they, they clearly needed one of those X-Wing pilots uh, who had seen Din, and it was probably easier to get Filoni than to bring back um, <laughs> one of the other two. So mm-hmm. I guess uh, I'd like to hear what he has to say if he enjoyed it a little bit more the <laughs> second time around, because I know he said he was very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was nice to see his face. It's I feel like they, they can. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they could. They could probably, you know, they could make a running thing of it. It's like, oh, there, spot Dave Filoni. Oh, there he is. Like, yep. <laughs> yep. And the fact that he gave himself the name Wolf, I just mm-hmm. he's just such a giant nerd, and I love it. Um. So they recognize that Din basically has an arrest warrant out, uh, based on what happened in the pr- prison break episode before. Din runs, so we get our almost literal police chase, <laughs> and they end up on um, this ice planet. So again, we we um, you know we had a lot of thoughts on when we saw the ice planet in the trailers. Lots of people mm-hmm. thought it was Ilum. Lots of people saying, you know, maybe it's Hoth, maybe it's all of these other places, maybe it's um, um, Cronist in the Mandalore system. Um, and it was really none of that. It was just kind of this random ice planet. And uh, that's where we got all of the shots of him walking through the crevasses and, and things like that. Again, I feel like there's there's kind of something to be said. When we, when we see these images in the trailers, our minds immediately say, oh, I wonder if it's this. I wonder if it's that. And uh, that's fine. I think that, you know, you're never going to stop people from speculating and nor do I think mm-hmm. that you should, but um, I did see some people kind of, oh, you know, wasn't wasn't Ilum, wasn't, wasn't <laughs> what I thought, and again, I just kind of think that that goes to um, re- reacting to what we're given, not to what we pinned our hopes on getting. I think that this episode mm-hmm. with this with this planet, you know, I, I doubt that this planet's going to have a huge significance to the story, but who knows? We, we, I mean, if Dave Filoni's taught us anything, it's that there are really no filler episodes. Everything will come back and have a significance. Yeah, yeah. But I thought that That's they did really nice, uh, you know, creating this setting, you know, a lot of world building, even on a world that's pretty empty. Um, so I thought that it was really good. I, I, I thought that the, the cinematography in the, uh, the, the chase real exciting mm-hmm. i really liked that yeah. that uh segment yeah i agree i thought that that was some pretty cool visuals there with the uh chase scene oh you know what i have to go back one thing that um my uh my inner lutheran heart was just excited about <laughs> your your catholic heart i suspect <laughs> um they finally canonized that and also with you is yes oh i thought that was really hilarious there was just something in me that was like oh i feel so validated now <laughs> <laughs> i know because there's just been like so many memes about that over the years and they actually you know put it into the show i thought that that was that was an, a funny touch <laughs> 
I thought that that was that that felt. Yeah, I know. I know that uh, that Favreau's writing this uh, this uh, show and this episode specifically, but that felt like something very in t- in line with what we've gotten from Dave Filoni in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, putting things in that have always kind of been a part of the culture of Star Wars, um, and canonizing that, even though there's really there was really no reason to do so. But yeah. <laughs> It's just something that I think a lot of people have always kind of had that inclination. Like that's the that's the mm-hmm. response, and so to to see that it was kind of like, oh, I really I really liked that addition. Yeah, it it was surprising, but it was a nice touch. It it kind of reminded me how they, you know, they mentioned Life Day in uh, season one, and again, like you know, I didn't expect that to come up at all in in a show that that is very much considered canon i was like oh well i guess i guess life day is is actually a a thing now (laughs) it's not just a joke so (laughs) yeah i thought that that was that was great (laughs) to uh i don't know again seeing a little bit more of the culture and that's not at all to say that the holiday special is canon or anything like that god forbid Um, but uh, (laughs) To, uh, to have those little callbacks not only as references but also as an expansion of the Star Wars universe that's always fun to see mm-hmm. and it's also a nice really um, a really nice nod to the fans absolutely absolutely I completely agree okay so then we've got them on this ice planet the Razor Crest the poor Razor Crest has been through so much <laughs> seasons and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. Um, they crash. Um, things are pretty bad. And on top of it, they're carrying a passenger who is clearly like frogs in our world, cold-blooded, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and uh, needs to stay warm. And uh, so, I, I again, nice little touch to cr- make this minor character uh, who could really have been either you know, pretty neutral or even, you know, a lot of people might not like guest characters like that, but by nature of who she was, it really upped the stakes. And I really liked that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I agree. She is able to find a way to communicate with him to say, we really have to get out of here. Um, I like that she was able to do that using the droid from last, uh, last season, uh, zero. Um, to she accesses its uh, vocabulator and is able to mm-hmm. speak and i think that uh we do get our little nod to mandalorian culture which is um especially for me always fun to see so uh you know nothing terribly new but that call to um the how, you know how important honor is within the mandalorian culture so she says i thought honoring one's word was part of the mandalorian code um and right then and there mm-hmm. you know that she's got him he'll, he'll <laughs> yeah she's reminding him of that um i also thought it was interesting that she follows that up by saying i guess those are just stories for children and for me i've thought a lot about you know how how much do people in the galaxy know of the mandalorians um mm. how or and especially how much are they still talking about them because i think that um just like the jedi 
um, the Jedi and the Mandalorians are really in a very similar position at this point in the story, mm-hmm. very much splintered, very much um, spread out, very much not really having a home and a, and a culture. And so the fact that she says like that those are just stories for children is really interesting because it tells me that they are still in the public conscience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's an interesting point to bring up. And again, I, I think it also brings up this this parallel between the Mandalorians and the Jedi that I, I haven't really heard a lot of people talking about. I think we touched on it a little tiny bit last week, but I, I find that interesting that they kind of keep making these these little sort of connections between the two groups. And I, I do feel that there is a fair bit of intention behind that and that it is going to go somewhere. I sure hope so. I mean, that's that's the whole point. <laughs> that's why I called the stories by Darksaber Light, both the Darksaber <laughs> and the imagery of the, the lightsabers, the, the light side of the force, because I think that there's so much to talk about in terms of the... Uh, both the parallels but also the dichotomies between these two cultures so i definitely think that that's something that we will continue to bring back and uh explore further Mm -hmm. so let's see um frog lady convinces din to fix the ship but she clearly takes matters into her own hands and she leaves um and we get this really cute scene with uh din fixing (laughs) the ship and baby comes out and starts babbling to him which is very different from what we have seen we've we've heard him make noises we've heard Mm -hmm. him um uh you know even i think try to make a couple sounds that might approximate a word or two but i think this is where we get that that young toddler stage where (laughs) he is babbling he is trying to talk and that was really exciting to see as well yeah, I thought that was really adorable that, you know, he was he was trying to get his attention and um not not just being like the baby that that kind of observes everything cuz he he kind of did that mostly in season 1 and now he's you know doing more things so you can kind of tell he's he's growing a little bit. Um so it's, it'll be interesting to see what else he he does moving forward. Do you think that we're going to get a first word maybe this season or next? Mhm. I hadn't stopped to consider that, but maybe, maybe by the end. <laughs> now I'm trying to think of what would it be? Do do uh, the Yoda species gravitate towards, you know, Mama and Dada's <laughs> words the way that humans do? I I don't know. Definitely think his his uh, his papa could be the the first one who gets a call out. Mm-hmm. So um, Din recognizes, or Din, Din realizes that uh, Frog Lady has left. They go exploring to find her, and find her um, in a in, basically in a hot tub, having a nice soak. <laughs> um, but they try to get her out pretty quickly. Um, baby is continually trying to eat the eggs. <laughs> this is something that I feel deserves a comment. Because, you know, like we've mentioned, like, Frog Lady's story, it is very compelling and the stakes are high and like, and we recognize that she is carrying the last of her line. 
the eggs aren't fertilized mm-hmm. yet, but but these are her future children. And um, gosh, was I the only one who thought that the jokes of Baby Yoda eating the eggs started to go a little bit too far? <laughs> um, it, it was a little weird. I will, I will, I'll give it that. I, I wasn't super bothered by it, but I know that some people were kind of skeeved out by it, and I can totally understand that. Um, I thought that it was funny maybe the first two times, but then um, the fact that the episode kind of ends with the same joke of him eating yeah i thought okay we're we're kind of getting to the place where it's like are there going to be any eggs left the poor woman (laughs) 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 um but uh again like i said this is a little toddler who needs to be told no all of the time didn't tell him no don't eat the eggs and he finds something else to eat um in a very clear Mm reference to the movie Alien which I wasn't really <laughs> expecting um, he finds a creature that we have seen before that I would rather <laughs> have not made, not made a showing yeah um, yeah I was hoping then went that when the uh the the eggs started moving that it wasn't going to be what i thought it was going to be but it was <laughs> oh did you, did you expect it to be the spiders uh n- no but when i saw them wiggling i was like hmm this this, this is going in the direction that i'm not sure i want it to go yes <laughs> so you did a little looking into the spiders uh what were you able to find on these creatures um so apparently they are based on some concept art by ralph mccory for the original trilogy he had come up with this idea of a giant spider that was originally going to be on dagobah and the idea behind it was that he he had a, a lot of ideas for these sort of plant animal type hybrids and so he had this idea for this 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 big spider that would eventually sort of plant itself in the ground and become one of the trees on on Dagobah which is simultaneously very creative and also very creepy (laughs) um so that's that's where the idea came from and I I have to appreciate that you know they 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 took inspiration from that even though I am not too big on the whole spider thing um <laughs> as i'm sure many people aren't but it, it it was it was still nice to see that they you know that they're you know looking into older material and taking inspiration from from different you know sources like that or, or things that that weren't used for the movies right right and if you weren't aware of the concept <laughs> art then you may have recognized these same creatures from star wars rebels where um, I believe that they were renamed or maybe they're a subspecies or something, but they're called Krikna. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I don't know, in, uh, in Rebels, they're able to uh, <laughs> tame them a little bit. They're not, you know, that, it, it's a kid's show. So uh, I don't think that a segment like this would have uh, passed muster for that. Um, mm-hmm. It was legitimately terrifying. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not even somebody who really has a problem with arachnophobia or, you know, spider-like creatures showing up in film and TV. 
but um i mean it was a very effective action scene um mm-hmm. again great cinematography they're using a lot of um of uh you know, moving cameras. We see a lot of shots both from uh, Din and our little party, but then also from the point of view of the spiders, which I thought was really interesting. And uh, I mean, definitely, like, again, this is not an an episode that contributes a whole lot to the overarching storyline, but by no means it was this, you know, a poorly made episode. I mean, it's it's beautiful and a Mm -hmm. lot of um, what they're able to do. Oh, agreed. I, I I think that for an episode that doesn't drive the the big story forward too much, I thought it was still really, really solid with what it with what it did. Um, and you know, you know, it was terrifying to see the spiders, but also you know, entertaining in a sort of horror movie type way. So I'm sure that's you know a lot of people's cup of tea i'm sure there are people who didn't enjoy that and people who equally did enjoy it so yeah yeah (laughs) if it ever happens again you know maybe there's a spider warning (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) but they they are able to get back to the ship you know things look really really bad the mother spider uh you know lands on the ship and basically starts destroying them and they're saved by the x-wing pilots that we saw before which i i did think was a really nice um you know i always try to find those moments where um if you're gonna have you know if you're gonna have a deus ex machina moment it's got to be something that you've seen before so Mm -hmm. the fact that their saviors end up being the pilots who kind of caused this whole issue in the first place um by doing their job but also causing problems for dan um (laughs) i thought that that was that was a nice way to end it and uh, what I also really liked is that we see that Din's honor is really benefiting him I think that he's been dealt a difficult hand in a lot of things but when the X-Wing pilot uh, starts talking about how yeah you've got an arrest out for basically kidnapping the child but you also apprehended three um, highly wanted criminals and the recordings from um, the inside of the, the prison compound showed that you also put your own life at risk in order to try to save Lieutenant Davin um, mm-hmm. in chapter 6. I thought that um, that was a really nice way to show that there's you know, that's not the reason why he acts the way he does, but it's nice to see that there was a benefit to the code of honor that he lives by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I also thought that it was, um, I don't know, it, it's, it's interesting to see where does this put Din in relation to the New Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, ba- you know, according to these characters it kind of seems like din's slate has been wiped clean i'm not really sure if that is what his official record will show but it kind of seems like he doesn't really have to worry about the new republic anymore Mm -hmm. at least at the moment so we'll see if that uh, comes back later on yeah um something to think about one thing that i haven't seen mentioned by anybody yet um if you 
when when they show the shot of Filoni in this scene, you can see that his astromech in his um in his X wing looks like it's a C one series like Chopper from Rebels. Oh, uh, I didn't actually notice that. I'll have to go back and it it, it doesn't take look exactly look. like him. It looks like him from the top, but then when they show him from the side, mm-hmm. it's he's a little bit different. But he's clearly more. Mm-hmm. He looks much more like Chopper than he does some of the more uh, hmm. modern droids that we see uh, elsewhere. Okay. Oh, that's that's a pretty cool Easter egg. I was really hoping that it was him. I was really disappointed <laughs> that. It- <laughs> I, I feel like Chopper would have caused more destruction than than anything else That's true. in the episode if it had been him. <laughs> Probably would have been swearing up a storm in his, in his little <laughs> droid language. Um, but they they leave him alone. Um, they don't help him fix the ship though. <laughs> they leave that up to him. Uh, but he is able to fix the ship um, so that they are at least able to pressurize the um, the interior cabin um so he says that they're going to limp along to the planet that they were trying to reach um mm-hmm. thoughts on the ending um i saw a comment from someone on on youtube who had uh mentioned that it, it might be significant the fact that his ship is now very badly damaged that this might you know come into play in the next episode because obviously he's not going to be able to keep flying it around like that he'll have to stop and and actually uh get it repaired and so that i think is a great point it it raises some questions of you know what kind of story is going to happen in that that time frame where he has to to stop and and really uh, do an overhaul on on his ship um and i think that someone else had pointed out in that that same comment thread that it you know it's kind of going to slow him down and so it does give boba fett if he is following him more time to catch up mm-hmm. i thought that was a interesting point as well that is an interesting point um what strikes me is that i think that it's pretty clear that the next episode is the one where we're finally going to get what I'm really excited for, which is Space Boat. I'm really, mm. I don't know why this excites me <laughs> so much, but the fact that we have an actual boat that's actually sailing on water, I'm really excited to see what the mm-hmm. what the premise is for this. Um, but it seems like that's the next episode because we there's a, there's a shot in the trailer where we can clearly see Frog Lady and her husband. Mm-hmm. So I have to imagine that we're not going to spend much more time with Frog Lady, so they must um, be able to deliver her to her planet, meet her husband. And mm-hmm. then so th- uh, it also seems like that is the same setting for meeting Sasha Banks's character. Mm-hmm. So we will see what that leads to. Um, we've talked a lot about you know who we think that she might be. I'm still not convinced that she's a Mandalorian. However you know he is going to this planet now to find a mandalorian so if he e- either mm-hmm. he finds her and some other character or maybe the mandalorian character is gone um or something like that but um i definitely think that she is the next character that we will be meeting yeah i agree i'm not sure if i think that he's going to find 
a Mandalorian in the next episode. I feel like it's something that they're kind of dragging out and it it may be in fact leading up to him eventually meeting Boba Fett and that's the person that he ends up running into um so we'll see yep I completely agree it'll be interesting to see how long they do um draw this out because he needs to meet Mandalorians so that he can meet Jedi and I do think Mm -hmm. that it's still again we don't have this isn't set in stone but the assumption that Ahsoka is going to be showing up in, in episode five, because that's Dave Filoni's episode, I think that that's a pretty logical assumption, which means that we have mm-hmm. two more episodes, and then the episode after that would be Ahsoka's. So I'm not sure, does he meet Mandalorians beforehand, and they do help them find the Jedi who would be Ahsoka? Or, I mean, I, I could also see him not meeting Mandalorians at all, but maybe Sabine Wren is with Ahsoka, so he ends up meeting them both at the mm. same time. Mm-hmm. Um, not really sure, but I don't. I don't think that this. Mm. I don't think that this entire season is going to be taken up with. I need to find Mandalorians. I think that that part of the quest mm-hmm. will end more quickly um, than uh, than some people are expecting. Yeah, and I think that you know there'll probably be something that happens that kind of throws a curveball in his quest and i feel like that's going to be related to whatever you know moff gideon is is up to right now because we we still haven't seen him and i i know that they're they're saving him for a later moment they don't want to kind of give all the the good moments too early so yeah okay so i think that i mean that basically wraps up um, you know, our look at the characters, our look at the actual plot of this episode. And just, uh, you know, briefly at the end, I think that we should talk just a little bit more about fan expectations and the the kind of storytelling that's going on that we're seeing in episodes like this. Uh, one of the things that I, you know, just kind of patrolling Twitter today, I found um, were some some nice comments from um, the, the Twitter user Jacob's Quest. You can find him at, at Jacob's Quest. And so here are just a couple of things that he said, which uh, I really resonated with, and uh, we'll see what, what you think. Uh, he says, between the first episode, or b- between the first season and these episodes, I think any complaints of filler have more to do with what some fans want this show to be rather than what it is. This is mostly an episodic adventure show, not the highly sequential game of thrones we should know this by now Mm. and then he says um it definitely it's definitely getting to the point where some of you just don't know what show you were getting into all i mean by this is that this show is exactly what it was intended to be it's an episodic monster of the week um or it's an episodic monster of the week nature and that's not a problem it's not a mistake and it's not a bug it's a feature and if it's not your flavor that's okay but it is the show so uh, thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. It, uh, I think that the show set itself up to be like that from, from the first season. And I, I think that, that people kind of expected that, you know, that was just its way of getting its foot in the door. But it seems to be very clear that it's, it's sticking to that formula. And I, I personally don't have too much of a problem with it i think that it it sets itself apart from you know the other 
Star Wars shows that we've seen, um, I think it, it, you know, sets it apart from a lot of other shows that we've seen, you know, just in the past decade in general. Um, I, I think that, you know, I guess that people are just not used to seeing that kind of episodic formula so much anymore. Um, and I don't know if it's because people didn't grow up with it or it's just, you know, people of all ages who have just, you know, we, we haven't seen that kind of thing in a while and it's kind of hard to, to switch back from, uh, you know, a more like serialized story to, to this, this kind of story that is very episodic. It's a different monster or alien every week and, and not every episode is, is about the big story. I think it's a really great point and I think that it's both and in terms of audience response. I think that it's both younger audiences who have never really grown up with this and then older audiences who did but have gotten so used to this more modern form of storytelling especially with the rise of binge watching culture where basically <laughs> you get a season of Stranger Things and it is a nine hour long movie. That's kind of the way that it's set up. Mm -hmm. So every, you know, there might be slower moments, but everything drives to that end. And you don't have a lot of, of um, episodes that feel like they're cut off from the rest of the story. I think that the kind of storytelling that you and I are more used to and that older fans are, or at least were used to, are these, like you said, Monster of the Week, um, Planet of the Week, Villain of the Week, those kinds of things. I mean, you know, stories like mm -hmm. Star Trek, like The X-Files, like Stargate, um, these shows that still had overarching storylines, but they definitely were more concerned by setting up an episode, setting up a relatively smaller conflict and then having that conflict resolved by the end of the episode so something like um this episode where it's like they you know they crash on a planet they have to just basically figure out how to off and even even last week's episode is as wonderful it is as it is i was seeing people complaining mm -hmm. there as well that oh well nothing really happened well yes something did happen it's just that din's story his his adventure brought him to a place where he had to slay a dragon that's i mean that's that's something that happened mm -hmm. it's not the overarching plot but through that i very rarely ever see episodes that constitute filler by how people try to use the term i think that there's always something that mm -hmm. uh, an episode can you know some significance that it can have uh, regardless of whether we're playing into an overarching storyline. And we've already talked about that for this one. The biggest significance really seems to be that this is a story about a father and a son. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I, you know, I, I think it's nice to have the kind of callback to these, these kind of older sci-fi shows that we haven't seen in a while. Um, I'm obviously biased because i i mean i grew up with like star trek and, and stargate and so that that's that's very nostalgic for me to so to see kind of a callback to that type of formula is something that i really don't 
have too much of a problem with it feels very familiar um and it, it's fun to see again and and i like that in some way that it, it is kind of making a, a little bit of a comeback and that you know now star wars is is getting to play in in that particular sandbox and um and i get that it's it's not everybody's cup of tea but i don't think that that necessarily means that it's bad uh you know i i think that that there there is you know a lot of value and entertainment to be had in that that kind of programming i i can understand the the criticism at least from the standpoint that this show does not get very many episodes per season so i've seen you know i've seen a lot of people saying that like well the fact that it it doesn't really drive the story forward isn't necessarily so bad but we don't have like you know a 22 episode season that you would have got with something like stargate or star trek or the x-files um so you don't you don't have as much of a time window to to drive that bigger story forward so so i definitely understand that the criticism from from that standpoint but I, I still don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to have these you know little filler episodes I- I- here and yeah there. i completely agree and i think that as well you know there are pros and cons to releasing an entire season um episodically as opposed to the way that Netflix does it, what by releasing it all at once. I think that if if they release the entire season, um, then we would be much more accepting of an episode like this because we know that we can immediately go on to something that's probably a little bit bigger. But um, it is always mm-hmm. difficult to wait for an entire week. Um, in my case, get up at five in the morning to watch it before work. <laughs> and then just be a little bit underwhelmed in terms of the story that you thought that you were going to get. So I completely understand people's criticisms of that. I do think though that, you know, the important thing is to speculate all you want, but try not to be too rigid in terms of what you're expecting. And then, like I said before, react to what we're given and try to see the significance, try to see what the creators were intending for it, as Mm -hmm. opposed to projecting your own wishes and desires onto it and I, I i think that this is probably going to be the only episode this season that's really going to count as filler we've got so many characters that mm-hmm. we know are coming we've got we've got so much lore to explore and storylines to flesh out so um i think that this is going to fit in just fine into this season yeah yeah i, I agree and i think it's interesting to note that you know they've seem to be very intentionally kind of doing these these callbacks to to older uh types of tv programs i mean the first episode of this season was very much a western which is a genre that we haven't really seen too much of you know recently that was very big you know back in 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 like the the 50s and in 60s um you don't see it so much anymore so uh, I thought it was interesting that they they did that, and then this week was was more of like a callback to the you know the 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 what I would refer to as the the golden age of of sci fi television from the eighties to the two thousands, 
um and I, I think that's pretty cool that it's it's almost like a, a a reminder or even like an homage to you know the, the these these older stories and while, while still being its very own kind of modern thing i think that's a great way to sum it up and and you're absolutely right in the same way that last week's episode felt um like it was um both being defined by but also commenting on the western genre this definitely feels like a callback to that Mm -hmm. so um it's nice to see different genres being played with different story storytelling um formulas being played with and so hopefully we're going to be getting more and more as we continue on but i think that just about wraps everything up for this episode we will be back at the same time next week reacting to another new and what uh, will certainly be an exciting episode um arica where can people find you uh, my Instagram is at alias Arica Jade. It's mostly just really stupid uh, Star Wars memes, but if that's your thing, that's that's where you can find I me. Star Wars memes are ever stupid, so <laughs> I have to check. Out. Uh, for, for this uh, podcast, you can find us at uh, at Dark Saber Light on Twitter, and uh, we're on Anchor, Spotify, and several other smaller. Um, podcast listening sites um and once again we will see you next week have a wonderful evening and may the force be with you